So, on this episode, and I'm hoping when I edit this, I'm going to have the song playing for the intro, let's talk about sex, baby. Because (laughs) this episode, we're talking about sex. We're talking about reproductive health. We're talking about condoms. We're talking about blue balls. We're talking about um, like birth control, control, abortion, plan B, uh, women's empowerment, sex pleasure, sex journaling literally all of my favorite topics and we are sitting down with the lovely Victoria Lyons who is the founder of Slip which is a woman's woman's first condom brand so we are so excited for everyone to listen to this video to this podcast video and just kind of break down and if you're from Ontario you'll really connect with this episode because we're essentially just shitting on the fact that we learned absolutely nothing in sex ed so Anyways, this episode is amazing. We love her. Go follow her on Instagram. It's Slip Health, Slip with two Ps. And yeah, let's get into our segment. So we're going to start with our sassy quote. Viv, you want to go with it? Yeah. Okay, I'll go first. Um, so my quote, uh, I don't know who said it, but I got from, got it on Instagram from those like <laughs> quote mm-hmm. things. And it says, you have two hands, one for helping others, one for helping yourself. And so I generally, generally, yeah, generally really love this quote. I just think it's like, I don't know, it just goes, it's just a nice all-encompassing, like super positive quote. Like you should help yourself, but also help others, like self-care, but don't be a narcissist, like (laughs) all that. But I kind of want to relate it to our topic of today. Well, it's reproductive health, but it's also sex. And I just want to say that you have one hand to help yourself, one hand to help others. (laughs) So don't think that sex is all about pleasing the other person. I know that's a big part of it because most of the time we also get pleasure in pleasing others like Mm -hmm. I think that's a big thing Mm -hmm. but I think a lot of women think that the main part of sex or don't think that but it's just internalized that sex is about pleasing the man getting the man to come when really it's a two-way street and you should be voicing what you want you should Mm -hmm. be pleasing yourself if that's what you want a little bit self-care moment and yeah just being empowered to say what you want in bed and not letting whoever you're with walk all over you no I totally agree with that and I think that if you're with a partner and they're not well first of all like every woman and if you're listening to this like take some time to like understand your body and understand what you like what feels good things that like make you feel happy inside in a pleasurable way and if you're having sex with someone and they're not pleasing you in the way that you would like to please do it yourself like literally like you can do it at the same time you can do things that make you feel good you can show them what you want to 
be done. We're all like learning this together. No one wakes up like a sex god. And, you know, and what we talk about later is we're not really taught these things. So it's important for you to educate yourself, educate others on what feels good and to not really put up a shit that doesn't. So yeah, exactly. And you also might think like, oh, I don't want to say anything because they're going to think like, I don't know, they're not going to like me, blah, blah, blah. But no, that's not the case. If they're having sex with you, they also want you to feel pleasure they're not Mm -hmm. just doing it for themselves and if they are just doing it for themselves then you don't want to be with that person so yeah just voice your opinion or voice what you want and no only positive can come from it Mm -hmm. I love that and my quote connects to that too and my quote was texted to me by um Riley McNamara and she yeah she we facetimed today and we just caught up so Riley is like one of me and Vivian's good friends for a long time she listens to our podcast every week and always comments and always says such nice things about it so her quote and she was saying when I listen to your podcast I just want to say my quote too I want to I have all these good quotes that I want to say so I thought today I would say the quote that she texted me the relationship that you have with yourself sets a tone for a relationship you have with others which I think relates back to this sexual health conversation and reproductive health and understanding your body. Like if you can't, and also like the way you feel about yourself, the language you use, like everything you do with yourself sets a tone for the relationships that you have with other people, which is why we talk about in this episode, how important is to understand like what you want, what works for you, where your like sex drive comes from, like what feels good, things like that. And then that can be transferred into a relationship. So something to remember you don't just like go into a relationship just like go into it you have your own relationship with yourself they have their own relationship with themselves and then those two come together yeah I love that and totally agree okay nuggets nuggets so a couple episodes ago we were talking about whether I should get sheen sheen or a 437 bikini and splurge and you know I'm an indecisive bitch, so obviously I did both. Um, I got Shein bathing suits, and I think the update on that, did we talk about that for a little bit? I, I don't know. If, yeah, I don't know if we talked about it, but Vivian's fit her really well, and she's really happy with them. For me, the tops fit me really well. The bottoms are just like really runchy in the ass, and I don't know how to wear them. It's a little bit confusing. They just seem to like go up my bum. I don't know whether if I'm supposed to wear them like as a thong or on top. Um, but so then 437 was having this amazing, uh, if you buy anything on their site, you get a free pair of Aubrey bottoms, which are their best-selling bottoms. That's such and, a good deal. So I got a $100 pair of bottoms for free, essentially. But then you buy something else and whatever. But so I got a full set. And... The bottoms, the Aubrey bottoms, I got a size small just for reference, um, are the best fucking bottoms I've ever worn with swimsuit, for a swimsuit. And I have tried everything. And I feel like we've talked about this before. I always feel so awkward or boxy. And I feel like they just don't sit on your hips right or whatever. And they are so flattering. They make your hips and your legs look long and they accentuate everything that you already have. And I... I don't even think that it really like changes anything. Like, I think it's just the confidence that I have wearing them. They're like, they're like super pants. 
Yeah. And I put them on. I'm like, I'm the baddest bitch ever. So that's kind of like my nugget is yes, they were expensive, but I got a good deal. And if you like really want to get a pair and you have money saved up or you want to try them, like I could not suggest them even like I just go fucking buy them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like, I don't know if you have money saved up, go do it. If not, it's not the end of the world. Like everyone has different body types. So who knows? Mm -hmm. Like someone may go and buy it and it looks bad on them, but Mm -hmm. I'm so glad that it worked for you and that you feel like a sassy queen in them. (laughs) Well, yeah, I just feel like I've struggled so much with like like bikini confidence and finding bikinis that you're not always having to fix and like that you look good in and you feel like you look good and you know you look good in it other than like people telling you oh you look good in that like I know I look good in this so and I think that makes such a difference for like your enjoyment at the beach and not caring what about what other people think if you find something that really fits you nice yeah for sure okay I'll say my nugget we're being very materialistic on our nuggets today (laughs) it's fine um so have you heard of the makeup brand pure no Okay, so I just got this for those of you watching. It's like, Mm. okay, it looks like this. It's a four-in-one. Oh. Let me get it. Four-in-one foundation, concealer, powder, and SPF. Oh. Yeah, so I've been using it for the past couple days for like a week, but not every day. So Mm. maybe I've used it like four or five times. And my review so far is that it's amazing and I don't want to hear you where'd you get it from shoppers? So my mom my mom gave it to me. Oh. So but I'm pretty sure you can get it at Sephora. If not, they have like an online thing that you can buy from. And they have lots of shades, which is awesome. I made sure I looked up if they had lots of shades and weren't like not just all light shades. Being exclusive, um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so it's a four-in-one. It has SPF, which is perfect for summer. And it also has, let me just pull up the website so I can tell you the ingredients. It has like nourishing ingredients for your face. And so I didn't Mm. even realize this, but like after the, even after the first time I wore it, I was washing my face afterwards. And you know how usually after you wear makeup and you wash your face, like your face feels gross. Mm -hmm. My face felt so smooth I was like what the hell is this and so um basically inside this powder is Waldaria extract which Mm. helps to brighten and smooth smooth the appearance of uneven skin it has shea butter and vitamin e Mm. which conditions and moisturizes which is why I think my skin felt Yeah, yeah, yeah and it has something like a blend of retinol lactic acid shea butter and ceramide to gently improve the look of skin tone and texture while helping to diminish the look of fine lines and wrinkles so it's basically like skincare and makeup wow I love that I kind of do you know how much it is is it expensive so it says here I'm not sure if this is Canadian or U.S. even if this is U.S. it's not that expensive it's 29 yeah that's pretty good for like four in one yeah, and it's like it's not huge, but it's not small. Mm-hmm. So if you're if you are an oily gal like me, who can't, especially in the summer, cannot wear liquid foundation, mm-hmm. and I can't even wear liquid concealer. Like, no, that's not happening. Then 
Oh my gosh, I recommend this so much. I'm going to keep using it and see like if I actually see improvements in like my skin. Lovely. I love that nugget. Uh, If anyone listening, if you would like to send in your nugget of the week and let us know if you have any tips that you want us to talk about and we can discuss it, just DM us on Instagram at sassy underscore pod. And I want to hear, I want to hear your nugget. I want to hear what you learned this week, something fun that you think our listeners would appreciate and that's that's what we're here for so yeah and we'll give you a shout out on the pod if you yeah yeah all right everyone so on this episode we have the lovely victoria Lyons here and she's the founder of slip so we'll let her explain that in a second but welcome victoria Thank you. Yeah. First of all, thank you so much for letting me be here. This is so exciting. Um, But yeah, so I'm Victoria. I'm the founder of Slip, which is a women first condom brand. Um, Our mission is to normalize women carrying condoms, but ultimately make people feel more in control and more empowered to be in control of their sexual health. Um, And it kind of all started um, based on my own personal struggles with birth control and recognizing that sex education is really lacking and having conversations with people and realizing that a lot of them felt the same way. So yeah, we're officially launching in a few months. We're not actually like on the market yet, but yeah, it's been fun to kind of build a community and start launching the the brand. Mm -hmm. And if people want to follow you on Instagram, what's your Instagram and places that they can check you out? Yeah. So it's slip health and slip has two P's in it. Yeah. (laughs) But anyway, we're just going to have a conversation here today about reproductive health, about what her brand is about, and kind of get into the nitty gritty about things that we've all grown up with and asking questions, myths, seeing just the whole, I guess, understanding everything. Um, and that's what our conversation is going to be about today. Sweet. So I'm really interested in, I'm wondering how, why condoms? Like what made you think of condoms? Yeah, <laughs> it could have. It also could have been like female condoms too, yeah. or sperm spray. I don't know. <laughs> and some people think when I say like women first condom brand, they think it's female condoms. And okay, I'm gonna be completely honest. I'm gonna be completely honest. Up until a couple of weeks ago, Vivian and I had another meeting. I was like, "Let's!" I'm so excited. Like women condoms. Like how does that even work? And Vivian was like. They aren't women condoms. Yeah. They're male condoms for I women. Know, it's, it's hard to clarify that. Like they're, I guess they're technically external condoms versus the mm-hmm. female condom is an internal condom. So yeah, the reason why, how do I sum this up in a, in a succinct, succinct way? Um, first of all, I guess just, I always struggled with birth control in general. I went on the pill like many many women in high school Mm -hmm. and then went off of it in university because I felt like I just wanted to be more in touch with my with my natural cycle and I had some you know like irritability and stress and I wasn't sure is it hormones or is it me because obviously hormones impact your brain and your body and you never really know Mm -hmm. so I decided to try getting off of it and it just felt a lot better um and it's different for everyone not saying that you know, hormonal birth control is bad by any means. I think it's amazing. Um, But I personally felt like, okay, if I don't want to be on hormonal birth control, I guess my option is just stick with condoms as a contraceptive. But 
um, as time went on, I, I was never buying them myself because I felt awkward buying them and I wouldn't really carry them with me. And I just would assume that my partner would have them all the time. And there were times where they didn't. And, you know, then I was in this predicament. So I, I guess just personally relying on condoms as my primary birth control, it sort of hit me that I'm not treating it like my primary birth control. I'm kind of leaving it up to someone else. Um, and I know a lot of people hate condoms for all these reasons, but I'm like, there's gotta be other people out there who gen genuinely think that it's the best option, but feel like there isn't a brand that really speaks to them. Um, so I wanted to sort of fill that gap in the market because when you go to the condom aisle, everything is like, like feels like nothing at all, naked sensations. And they're all convincing men to wear a condom rather than mm -hmm. telling women to like, take control of their sexual health or protect their, their health, because really for women, there's more at stake. Um, so yeah. And then the reason not the female condom or internal condom, I guess, because it wasn't something I would ever really use because I wasn't mm. really familiar with it didn't feel like it was a really like already on the market product. There's not many options out there or many great options. And I feel like it's already a struggle to get, women to buy condoms because they mm -hmm. haven't really been targeted to them in the past so mm -hmm. I wanted to start with this and you know you never you never know maybe internal condoms eventually but this just felt like a more relevant solution given my own experience yeah I would totally agree with that and I feel like even just looking at the condom aisle and what I was going to ask you is there's like magnum xl like all these different sizes all right? dark colors and big fonts that are more towards yeah but how yeah. do I know as a woman like what what condoms that I need to get and I guess that's where you come in like there's all these different sizes and all this stuff like how are you navigating that because I actually don't know, like, are all penises the same size? I don't know. So yeah, that's all... so true. I never even thought of that. Like, if we're going to buy condoms, like, we're not the ones wearing them. So that's, yeah, I wonder. Mm -hmm. how, do, how do I pick an average estimate if I'm, like, say I'm going out to, like, hook up with some guys. I don't know who I'm going to hook up with. Yeah. And I need something that's going to protect me regardless. So I'm curious to see, like how you are, I feel like that is a struggle. So yeah, I totally agree that that was something in my market research. Some people said like, how do I know what size to carry, etc. Mm. Um, okay, there's like a few layers to this, I think. <laughs> the first is that I agree, there's so many options, and it's so overwhelming. And, you know, I guess these big brands just want to keep coming up with all these different products. And there's like ribbed for her pleasure, whatever, mm -hmm. XXL. Um, and I guess my hope is that by being, you know, a women focused brand that I'm prioritizing all the ingredients that are optimal for vaginal health. So mm -hmm. I hope that can, someone can look at it in the aisle and be like, okay, I don't really need to worry about all the others. because I know this one is prioritizing <laughs> me. I don't mm -hmm. know if that really makes sense, but <laughs> no, that's how yeah, I see it. Sense. Yeah. And then in terms of size or, well, okay, just to continue on that subject in terms of ingredients for vaginal health. I think you just want to like check in on the lubricant that's used, um, like flavors and dyes can be irritating. Um, and yeah, so like the condoms that we're creating have a hundred percent silicone oil lube. So it's just very basic and natural, but some might have, a lot of them don't use 
spermicide anymore, but there was some in the past. I think it's pretty uncommon these days. Um, and then in terms of size, like for one, condoms stretch so much and like size is not as big of an issue as I think it's made out to be, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to deny that like I'm, you know, I don't have a penis. I don't know. <laughs> and I, and I, I do believe that for some people, size is a genuine concern. Mm-hmm. Um, my approach is just doing the standard size, which should fit the majority of people, but mm-hmm. obviously you can't cater to everyone. And for me, maybe down the line, we'll create different sizes and tackle that problem when we know more about it. But yeah, that's what I would say about that. Yeah, that's so interesting. And I wanted to touch on what you said before about how you were on birth control and then you came off of it. And so you realized that condoms were the only contraception that you were, um, that you wanted to use. And I actually never thought of that because I'm on birth control and yeah, me too. Yeah. It's very interesting because all the things that you realized about condoms, like, oh, they're not catering to women. Like, I don't really want to go and buy them. Like I'm relying on men to have it whenever I sleep with them. Like those are, I've never even thought of that. And I'm so glad that you thought of that and decided to act on it and create this brand. Like, (laughs) like I just think that's so cool. Thank you. Yeah. I feel like it's becoming more of a topic of conversation these days, or maybe it's just the people I'm surrounded by or like the communities I'm a part of, but Mm -hmm. I feel like more and more people are questioning birth control and being more judgmental or like considering the effects and everything like that. Um, so I think, but yeah, like when you look at the non-hormonal options, there's the copper IUD, which doesn't have hormones, but often people complain that it's more, I think it causes more cramps or, you know, more heavier mm-hmm. periods. I don't know that that- and That's a scary procedure too. I've yeah. Heard. yeah. Yeah. It can be painful, but again, it's just like, everything is so different for everyone. And I think we just need as many options as possible because the more options we have, the more people can- you know, it can cater to. Mm -hmm. And I also want to talk about double standards because I think that's what your brand is trying to kind of get away with, um, get away from when, if I carry a condom and I hook up with a guy, I probably seem like I knew that I was going to want to have sex and I seem a little bit like promiscuous, but if a guy carries a condom in their wallet for seven years that they've been saving, they're seen as being responsible for the day that that happens. Yeah. So what are you doing to try and fill in that gap and make it kind of like a normal responsible thing for women to be carrying condoms? Yeah. Well, I think that, how do I put this? That's completely true as a double standard that women are seen as like, I was even having a conversation a couple of weeks ago with like friends and men in my life. And I, I was like, genuinely, if, if you didn't know what I was trying to do with slip and a girl showed up with condoms like what would you think mm-hmm. they're like I don't know I guess like I probably would assume that she must sleep around a lot and like mm-hmm. that is a genuine maybe a thought that people have and I was like yeah but even if they do at least you know that they're protecting themselves like mm-hmm. someone who doesn't carry condoms could sleep around a lot and not like they're not protecting themselves so mm-hmm. anyway it's just like I hate that people are that there's any judgment for people protecting their bodies um and that's even another double standard in itself like the number of partners a woman is allowed to have according to society versus men Mm -hmm. um so I think like in part I want to just really start the conversation and I think that if there is a brand on the shelf 
that is clearly speaking to women more than the other brands, maybe men will recognize that it should be normal that women buy, con buy condoms and are carrying condoms. Um, yeah, and just like, I'm, I guess like the more technical approach or practical approach we're taking is um, delivering them discreetly to our customers' doors because I realized mm -hmm. that a lot of people don't like going out and buying condoms, even men, like it's not just a woman thing. People in general don't like buying condoms. It's kind of awkward. So mm -hmm. I wanted to eliminate that barrier because I feel like feeling judged or awkward shouldn't be a barrier that stops you from protecting yourself. Mm -hmm. I was even talking to my friend a couple of days ago, who's a guy about condoms and saying that you were coming on our podcast. And he was like, I am terrified staring at the condom aisle being like, which one do I pick? Yeah. And you see all the people like come by and are like, oh, what are you doing? And it's just kind of like shame about you having sex, which I think we feel when we go and buy like lube even or like plan B or any mm -hmm. like canest or in like, you know, yeast infection thing. Yeah. There's, there's some kind of like shame that comes with buying these products, which I don't even know why. Um, yeah, it's I not feel... like anyone's looking at you caring. Like no one actually is like worried about you. Someone, it was like a friend of a friend was telling me the story that she uh, is, you know, married and uh, was trying to have a baby and went to buy a pregnancy test. And she was like, I felt judged buying a pregnancy test, but like, I have no reason to, obviously I'm having sex. I'm trying to get pregnant, but like, yeah, yeah there's just this, yeah, we feel awkward about sex in general. And something I was reading about sort of an opinion piece that I thought was interesting and maybe relevant is how a lot of places call it the family planning aisle, when, like for the condom aisle and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them won't call it sexual wellness or something, but even just calling it family planning, it's like tiptoeing around the subject and, and suggesting that if you're not having sex to create a family, that it's somehow bad, which, you know, doesn't address same-sex couples or anything like that so I feel like the language we use really needs to change yeah yeah I I think the language is something that that has been around for so long and I feel like sexual like permiss like being promiscuous with your sexual health and everything comes back to like the Victorian era when it was kind of like illegal for women to go out and go do their own thing and and that kind of stuff so I definitely agree and about the language, like, what would you, do you have any opinions on how to shift that language about, like, having sex and not making it such a stigma, I guess? Well, I think hmm, that's a good question. Like, I think when it comes to the example of the family planning aisle, I think we mm -hmm. should just call it, like, sexual wellness or sexual health or something like that. Yeah. Um, in the larger scheme of things, I think just maybe this is a similar answer, but just calling it what it is and, mm -hmm. sex. and yeah. And <laughs> having better sex education that talks about pleasure, not just mm -hmm. like, you know, creating babies <laughs> and stuff like that. So, or like how STIs will kill you and ruin your life. Like it's all these scare tactics that it's just not a realistic portrayal of what sex is like these days. So no, yeah, it's sure. literally crazy, like, when you think about what we learned, because you grew up in Ontario, right, Victoria? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, the Ontario sex ed curriculum, I literally don't, never did we learn anything about women's pleasure, about lube, mm -hmm. about, like, not getting a yeast infection by using something called, like, there's lubes out there called, like, fuck water, 
like that's just calling for something bad that's gonna happen (laughs) like yeast infections like no one teaches you about that the literally the only thing I remember from sex ed about that was about guys that made it seem like fun was like wet dreams I remember Mm. that being like the biggest thing in the world like that's so fun you get to have wet dreams (laughs) and we just get our periods and that's about it and then your first trip to the doctor is, oh, yeah, you're you thinking about being sexually active. You should probably go on birth control. And there isn't really a discussion about anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like- and I was actually just listening to a podcast now that we're talking about language. And this girl was saying that I think she was 29. And uh, when she was 16, she got genital herpes. And so that's something that you can't cure. You just live for Um, live with for your entire life but it comes and goes so you can still have sex like you can still be a normal person there's nothing wrong with it Um, apparently like one in eight people will get genital herpes in their life like that's insane and so she was saying that when she was or like she wasn't really diagnosed with it when she got it the doctor just tiptoed around it gave her this medication never told her what it actually was and it wasn't till like maybe over five years later when she switched doctors that doctor was like oh so how have you been dealing with your genital herpes and she's like what that's what I have like she she had no idea that that's what it was oh my god she just knew that she and she lived in like a very small town so very secluded I guess from like from like social media maybe and like talking different language and stuff like that but I just thought that was insane that even a doctor there's still stigma around that, around mm-hmm. the language. They wouldn't even say it. They would just tiptoe around it. And that just goes to show you that it's such a bigger thing. It's so much on a larger scale than just our communication day to day. It's like an actual problem in the healthcare system as well. So yeah, I think that there's definitely a need for more like language surrounding sex and STIs especially because Mm -hmm. people think they're so bad when really like most people get chlamydia (laughs) (laughs) yeah I definitely think that STIs is something that just because we were all taught it in such a fearful context Mm -hmm. that yeah I think that it should be a lot more normalized or just like less terrifying if you have one just so that you can feel like you know, level-headed, how do I deal with the problem as opposed to feel like your life is over? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Like, I think a big issue is that women specifically, or just from experience, like, we have difficulty feeling empowered in that sort of conversation. Like, I don't have an STI, but say I did, like, I wouldn't feel that I could talk about it. And then different things with sex, like, I guess, where I'm trying to get at is like in bed or like when you're with someone I feel like women feel like they have to just please the man or whoever they're with and not focus on themselves do you have you learned in like this the whole orgasm gap yeah, yeah. Like the orgasm gap like what have you learned about this whole like woman feeling less empowered in like the bedroom Yeah, the orgasm gap is such an interesting concept. And like, I remember this being brought up years ago in a a conversation with friends or something. And just the idea of like, when does sex end? And normally it's like typically when the man finishes. Well, in uh, 
heterosexual sex, obviously, um, and not for women. So yeah, and I'm trying to remember what the number is. It's like 76%. Oh gosh, I don't want to like be quoted think, on this. <laughs> I think that's what you, somewhere in the 70s, you had that on your Instagram too. Yeah, of women. Yeah. Um, what is it? They don't, or I'm trying to remember the number. Hold on, let me quote this. <laughs> they don't orgasm during sex. Yes, 76% yeah. of women don't yeah. orgasm during sex. Um, heterosexual sex, to be specific. Yeah. And yeah, and so I just think that when I was reading more into that, it was talking about how just in general society, and I think this dates back, again, probably to just like our Victorian history or whatever, how women are taught to uh, not be a burden and to always put their partner's pleasure first. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so interesting how it's just like gotten to this. And yeah, I think there needs to be a lot more conversation about that. And I think a lot of men aren't even aware of how common it is like for women to not orgasm from vaginal sex and Mm -hmm. things like that. Like it, it's not necessarily even their fault. They just don't know. (laughs) No. Have you seen, um, when Harry met Sally, I don't know if you know that scene when she's like banging on the table pretending to orgasm and is like like she just like does a full orgasm or whatever and he's like I make lots of girls like orgasm and she just entirely fakes the, like the entire scene and yeah they like so I ha- I'll have what she's having or yeah exactly <laughs> I-, I love ha- when Harry met Sally it's one of my favorite movies but it just goes to show you that like <laughs> yes they haven't been taught but it's hard to know if women don't speak up about it either and mm-hmm. if you're constantly like not saying like, yes, I didn't come, I'll do other things or involve other things. That's when like toys come in. That's when you do other things like foreplay. But I don't think it's talked enough about that. And even feeling the confidence to say that because society's like pressure is always on the man. And like you said, like a lot of women don't like they can't orgasm from penetration alone. Like it's a lot. It's a high percentage. Mm-hmm. So and <laughs> like there's a lot of them that just don't say anything. And I know like growing up when you're younger, like when you're having sex, you don't know to say anything. You think that sex is just for the man and like, that's all it is. And you don't learn until you're older, all these things that you can do for yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that when we're taught or people do fake an orgasm that they're just confusing that guy Mm -hmm. is gonna go and sleep with someone else and be like what do you mean this doesn't work for you and I'm great what are you talking about yeah (laughs) yeah like I bet if you ask a guy and you tell them that whole 76 percent statistic they'd be like no there's no way based on their own personal experience but yeah I think it's just not being talked about enough yeah Mm -hmm. for sure it's a two-way street it's not mm -hmm. just for the guy and I think that again like we were taught the guy comes and then could be a baby could not be a baby and that's all we're taught but we're not Mm -hmm. like we know what to do in a heterosexual relationship for the guy but the guy doesn't know and he's not gonna just instinctually know like Mm -hmm. we actually (laughs) need to tell him or they need to be taught somehow Mm -hmm. through Mm -hmm. social media through different instagram accounts so yeah (laughs) totally (laughs) i think um I saw on your Instagram also, which I want to touch on is blue balls. And (laughs) I, the amount of times I've heard, I've heard from guy friends, I've heard on social media, I've heard from like partners, like all this stuff, like you have to finish because I'm going to get blue balls. And it's like, 
but what if I didn't want to or like what if that's all I wanted to do and it's kind of like this excuse that men use to get you roped into like pleasing them more when I'm not even certain if it's that uncomfortable and they make make it out to be like the worst thing in the world yeah they literally don't know what pain is they think like (laughs) a little a little throbbing or whatever in their balls is oh so much pain and they make it out to be that or they're just trying to manipulate us but Mm -hmm. personally and I've heard from like actual doctors that it's not it's not a thing what do you think Mm -hmm. yeah well like the technical like blue ball experience is a really extreme I think rare maybe not even existent thing but like okay so I think that it could be uncomfortable for a man when they you know, want to relieve their mm-hmm. erection. And they can't. And they can't. And they can't. Like, it yeah. might be uncomfortable. But I think the bottom line, which I think, I don't know, when I, re- when I read this and when I did my research, I was like, why wasn't I thinking of it this way? Like, it's not like the only way to relieve an erection is for them to come. Like, you mm-hmm. know, guys get boners in math class. <laughs> they don't, like, have to finish in order for it to go away. It can go away on its own. So mm-hmm. for anyone to make you feel like it's your responsibility because it's causing them pain or whatever that is complete manipulation and yeah I absolutely like I hate that that has been internalized and that came up the reason I wrote that blog post because um when I first launched slip I was just hanging out with friends and one of my friends asked she was like are blue balls real and I was like I've never even questioned it I assume it's real I hear about it all the time and then when I looked into it I was like wow that's interesting so yeah Oh yeah, I feel like every girl who hears that just thinks it's true, I guess, mm-hmm. because the guy's obviously manipulative, so he'll make you think that. But um, yeah, if you actually read about it, it's not at all. Mm-hmm. And another myth too is the morning after pill that you also discussed. And I think that, I don't know, like Vivian was just talking about before, like we know what to do for guys when we're in heterosexual relationships and we also are forced to like deal with the consequences because they don't know what to do if it something bad happens to us and there's been that I remember there was that speech with um that girl who was graduating and she ended up doing her stuff on abortion laws and in Texas yeah in Texas yeah and there's options out there but they're not everywhere and I don't think we realize how fortunate we are in Canada to have those options but there's also a lot of myths in Canada that prevent women from thinking that's a viable option for them. And just like even the fact that in a lot of places, it's behind the, the like prescription place. Like you have to ask a pharmacist the counter. for it. Yeah. 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 So it's like even having the courage to like feel like you have to ask someone and feeling so embarrassed about asking it. Plus it's like $40. For something that wasn't even my fault, you know, like I, you can do everything you can, which is where slip also comes in. Like maybe they didn't have a condom or something. And then I have to go pay $40 for a pill that I have to embarrassingly ask about over the counter. Mm -hmm. So there are some myths with the morning after pill. Yes. Yeah. Well, in real, in relation to the abortion laws, um, like I know one big myth is that some people think it's like the same taking the morning after pill is the same as taking the abortion pill, Mm. but they're completely different. Like the morning after pill doesn't end a pregnancy. It's not like you're pregnant and you're, you're, it's prevents a pregnancy. So if you were 
already pregnant, it's not going to help. Um, and yeah, like I know a lot of people think that the way it works is you have sex and after penetration, just like, boom, you're pregnant. But it's really mm -hmm. that, you know, the egg, the sperm needs to fertilize the egg and that can take a while, a few days or whatever. So the idea is the morning after pill will give you the hormones to prevent that pregnancy from happening. Um, whereas the abortion pill, which is available in Canada through prescription, like specific doctors who are trained in it can prescribe it, that could actually um, end a pregnancy of up to nine weeks. Mm -hmm. And I hope I'm not going on a tangent here, but um, like the Texas law is um, saying that after six weeks, you can't have an abortion. And but, women wouldn't even know. Yeah, like a lot of people yeah. don't know that. My sister explained this to me, like I didn't even know this because um, she she just had a baby a year ago. And she was like, I didn't really understand the weeks of pregnancy until I was pregnant. And she explained to me, and then my mom who's a doctor explained to me that they count pregnancy based on the first day of your last period. So it's not when you not when the egg is fertilized it's when yeah, the egg is fertilized two weeks earlier right two weeks earlier than your than your period when you would have your period mm -hmm. yeah but the um pregnancy weeks of pregnancy like week one is like the start of your period before the egg is fertilized hmm. does that make sense it's kind of hard to explain but yeah so so let's say so if they say you're four weeks pregnant, you're actually two weeks pregnant. Like two weeks since the egg was fertilized in theory. Yeah. I think it all also depends, you know, based on when you ovulated. I think that might be why it's they use the period because it's a more definitive time frame. Mm -hmm. I don't really know. Um, yeah. So the point being that, you know, if you're someone who is on the pill or on other forms of contraceptives and not really worried about, not even concerned about getting pregnant, and then your period doesn't come on time, but you know, sometimes it doesn't come on time. And so let's say it's a couple of weeks late, then you may already be six weeks pregnant technically and mm -hmm. not have even had the option to consider your choices. So mm -hmm. yeah, when you consider that, and I think it's good that people are talking about this right now, when you consider that, it's like, that's crazy that they just take away your options before you even know. Yeah, that is insane. With the morning after pill, I think there's also the myth that like you can't take it that many times or else it makes you infertile. Like I definitely thought that it was, yeah. you can't take it more than whatever time. So it's like, you have to count your, your picks really good. The times you want to take it so that you <laughs> don't become infertile, <laughs> but that's not true. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I was going to get onto that because I realized I yeah. wanted to do a tangent, but um, yeah, I thought that too. Totally. I thought that it was like, you know, it was it must be so harmful on your body. It's so it's such intense hormones or whatever it was, and you can only do it once or twice. But it's that's really not the case at all. You, it's totally safe. Um, the reason that you wouldn't rely on it as actual birth control is because it might like throw off your cycle a little bit, and you know, give you some side effects that are just annoying. And um, it's really expensive it's awkward mm -hmm. to buy like it's just not practical to actually use as mm -hmm. a birth control but it's not unsafe or unhealthy mm -hmm. or anything like that and yeah it can be used as many times as you need yeah that's like great knowledge that I wish they taught you too in elementary school because 
the thing is too, like in elementary school, you don't really learn more about reproductive health past that. I don't remember anything in high school. No, yeah, you learn about like your periods, <laughs> but then you don't really learn about contraception. Mm-hmm. Or at least I don't remember. And like I don't remember it either. Yeah. Me neither. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I feel like if we actually learned this stuff, we would remember. Or maybe we just weren't listening. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, like I was on the pill in high school and I don't remember learning anything about it through school or through like yeah. formal education. Mm-hmm. What I wanted to ask you is, do you have any tips for women to be empowered in the bedroom? And I guess like even just with their own, you don't, you don't have to be with anyone, just like with yourself too. Like what would be your kind of like reproductive health survival kit that you would instill for sassy pod listeners? Um, things to buy, things to do. I don't know. I know you talk about like um sex journaling things like that so mm-hmm. oh yeah sex journaling I saw that on your Instagram I was really interested in that yeah I feel like something I started realizing is that when you are in control of your sexual health like you know if you're buying your own condoms and carrying them and doing all the things you need to do that it's really like kind of a form of self-care not to sound cheesy but it's like any preventative healthcare like working out and you know all the things you need to do it just makes you feel more confident and you're not worried or stressing about things so why not do the preventative things in order to feel better about yourself so yeah I mean like I think if you are if you choose to use condoms not going to like say that you have to you know obviously (laughs) depends on your circumstances but Mm -hmm. you choose to use condoms to like purchase them and have them on hand and carry them I feel like it's surprisingly empowering it makes you feel like kind of a badass mm-hmm. <laughs> um also I think like tracking your cycle can mm-hmm. feel really good and you start to just get more in tune with your body and like recognize do you have any like, app recommendations I just use um I think it's clue okay I think that's what it's called um but I haven't found one that I really love because I feel like that one doesn't really cover all of the, like the, some of the things there's not enough options when it's like mm-hmm. how you're feeling that day or how you ate that day or whatever. But yeah, I feel like in that case, maybe journaling makes more sense to just kind of like track how you feel. And it's really interesting when you start to notice the patterns and be like, oh, that's why I was low energy and, mm-hmm. and this and that. Um, and yeah, it kind of goes sec- uh, hand in hand with sex journaling um I had a guest blog writer write that post so I like have to give her credit that she did all the research but uh it was a great concept of of after or before sex with a partner with yourself like just reflect on it um and like on our Instagram we have examples of questions you can ask I think just like being more mindful of your body and then like just have to plug in to avoid products that are like trying to convince you you need to clean your vagina and stuff like that Mm -hmm. because that's never good it's not it's not what you need to do it's so what do you you think of those like those washes and everything that I guess because I guess again like society they still sell them at like shoppers and stuff if you go to the section there's like vagina washes I'm like Mm -hmm. yeah I think it's just like this history of there's so much about women's hygiene specifically that we're like taught to feel dirty if we don't do like even shaving and things like that Mm -hmm. and yeah these vaginal cleansers I feel like really tap into that idea that like 
you're dirty. And did you guys hear about that company in, I'm pretty sure it was Germany. It was like three men or something who created a product called pinky gloves. And it was oh, like, I did. Yes. It's like literally a pink glove so that you can change your tampon without like getting your hands dirty or whatever. And like every, all the women were like, did you ask anyone who actually menstruates about this product? Because like, it's not dirty. Anyway, there's just so many oh products out there that just- No, yeah. And I've seen that. TikToks too. Like I see TikToks where men are asking questions. Like how, I saw one where it said, how do women wash your vagina? Like, how do you, how do you do that? And then women were like responding being like, oh, like we use like, you know, the toilet cleaner, like the brush, <laughs> like we use that. And then another woman responded was like, so I actually strap it off and then we cleanse it with, cause it's like, it's such a stupid question. Like how would we clean it? And we clean it like soap, like with the rest of your body. Yeah. But, but I think but those, you're not like, supposed to clean inside. That's the thing. And I don't think guys yeah. realize that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But I think those like vaginal washes are interesting because I think that goes back to the whole idea that vaginas are smelly mm-hmm. and that they smell and whatever people say but it's literally the thing I want to make clear is it's literally like an open hole in your body how do you expect that to like it just smells like your body like I don't know why anyone expects it to smell any different mm-hmm. but it's literally like just open chilling you know so yeah. yeah yeah and I've heard people talk about this a lot and answer this question and usually when like healthcare workers or or like a physician's answering the question they'll be like if it smells something's wrong and you should call your doctor like it's exactly yeah like it's a product to fix it yeah like it's gonna like okay tmi but maybe your underwear wear is gonna smell at the end of the day but that's because you're it's like so close to your body just like your the underarms Mm -hmm. of your t-shirt smells like it's the Mm -hmm. exact same thing just like bodily odor exactly and like I know there was kind of some controversy that um Vagisil recently came out with like a yeah vaginal wash for teens and it's like you know given all the all of what we just spoke about how terrible sex ed is and you're just like so confused about your body and everything you don't need to be teaching young girls that like they have something to be self-conscious about yeah I just think it's damaging I mean maybe they're I, I know that there's supposedly many of them can cause yeast infections and ca- can cause more problems. I don't know if all of them do, maybe some are safe, but it's just more so like you don't need to do that. And it's, it's perpetuating this idea that this stigma and this like shame and self-consciousness that just doesn't need to exist. Yeah. And washing inside your vagina can also cause like vaginosis, which is like a really bad bacterial infection in your vagina, which you don't want to have. So forewarning to you guys, don't wash the inside of your vagina. Are there any other tips? I know we cut you off, but. I think I mostly covered them. Like, yeah, I just think like self-awareness and just, yeah, like educate yourself as much as you can and yeah, mm-hmm. no shame. <laughs> No, and I feel like too with sex journaling, you might realize your like libido, 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 libido. You might realize your libido is different, or based on what you eat, or like even your birth control and things like that that you might not even have realized. Because I have <laughs> friends that 
she I had a friend that had a boyfriend and she's like I can't even have sex with him because my birth control literally makes me not want to have sex with him and then she switched her birth control but I don't think a lot of women realize that that's a natural not a natural that's a phenomenon that happens with birth control sometimes and that's an indicator that you might need to switch because it's not like normal you know (laughs) I just want to say that I also think that women sometimes think that birth control is the cause of like all these problems but then don't take the chance to try to switch like I've had some friends that literally like no libido or mm. they have a libido but like it's like the Sahara desert down there so they can't even like do anything um or like have a really low low mood and stuff like that and I just mm-hmm. think that you could go off of it if you want do what Victoria did like natural cycles and mm-hmm. condoms or you could try something new mm-hmm. Yeah, I read the book, This Is Your Brain on Birth Control, which is a really interesting book. And Mm. she explains like, yeah, all these things that, you know, there can be side effects, but it's different for each pill. So you don't need to rule them all out and other options. It affects everyone differently. Like it's, there's so much to it. It's very interesting. But um, I feel like her number one takeaway, which I thought was good advice and relevant to what we're saying is she was like, if you can, before you go on the pill, journal for like, you know, a couple months or something, just like recognizing how you feel, maybe sex drive, maybe just overall mood, cravings, et cetera, and then go on it and then continue to journal because it, like we said, it's hormones that literally change your brain and your body. And when you're, you're changing your brain, you, you like kind of forget what your baseline is and what's normal. You're like, did I always feel this way? Or maybe, I don't know. It's hard to really like ob- objectify it. I don't know if that's the right word, but and whereas if you track it and keep a journal, you like kind of have this written proof to be like, oh, I wasn't moody back then or, or whatever it is so that you can have a better understanding of how it's affecting your body and see if you need to try a different option or whatever. Mm-hmm. I had a friend, I had a friend that was on birth control for whatever, like throughout high school and stuff. And she stopped and like was off it for a while before she got an IUD. And she said the time in between like getting off of it and then getting an IUD, her body just went through like an emotional roller coaster because she didn't know what was her normal Mm. and didn't know like if she really was this emotional or if, I don't know, she just said like it was all, her hormones were all out of whack and like getting off these things and realizing how much control they actually have over her body. And then the second she got an IUD, which was not hormonal, she was like, holy shit, like, I don't need to cry every day and like all these things that I think we just kind of move on with and for a lot of people you get on birth control at such a young age and don't even question it you don't even question you're going through puberty you're going through all these changes like you don't even question if what you're feeling and the emotions you feel are aren't you that's like you you know like for me that's me I don't know any difference Mm -hmm. that's a great way to put it Mm-hmm. And I actually forgot to mention this before, but when we were talking about apps, I haven't used this one, but I've heard one called Natural Cycles is good. So yeah, I might try that if you want to try that. If you listeners want to try that, I've heard it's good. I tried that actually. Oh. It may have changed. Like I tried this many, how many years ago? Like I don't know, four years ago, maybe. I'm not sure. But and I don't, it might not be primarily this, but I think at the time, at least they were advertising it this way. And it was for like the fertility awareness method, which is another form of birth control in theory, which is actually kind of interesting because a lot of people don't know about it, but it's this idea that's existed for centuries of like 
Well, there's the basal thermometer method where you like every morning take your temperature. And then I think it's when it drops, the app tells you all this stuff, but when it drops or something, or when it raises, yeah, it's theoretically yeah. when you're ovulating. So then you would just abstain from sex or use condoms. So it's kind of like just tracking your ovulation. Um, and so that you don't necessarily use the birth control during the times that you're not ovulating. Obviously it's less effective because people's cycles are inconsistent and stuff, but in theory, um, if you're tracking right and you have the right measures for your body, there's different ways, not just the thermometer, there's like cervical mucus or other ways. Um, but it's kind of an interesting for another option that's like non-hormonal. Yeah. I didn't even know that. No, yeah. It, there's all these signs that tell you if you're ovulating or not. And if you just don't have sex around there and you have sex without a condom, without any other birth control, around that time like not not during that time sorry then that's like a form of contraception well kind of <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah yeah you just want me to like I don't know I feel like you need to throw out the disclaimers because obviously it's different for everyone and yeah yeah, yeah. you would have to like really know what you're doing for that mm -hmm. okay so I think that sums up the end of our conversation with Victoria from Slip Health. Thank you so much for coming on the Sassy Pod and being a part of this conversation. Sex is not something that Vivian and I have had the chance to talk about. And no. I think that, well, I love talking about sex. I know Vivian loves talking about <laughs> it because she learns a lot about the more like health side of it too for her degree and everything. So I think that's interesting, like combining a bit of both. Um, but I'm so excited to see what the future holds for slip and when it mm -hmm. launches. And I think that you are going to make such a big impact in the market for women to actually take that empowerment into their hands and understand and, you know, the double standards. And this is like the first time that I've actually thought about the fact that condoms are for men, you know, like what <laughs> I've never, I've never once considered buying condoms would be for me. Mm -hmm. And I think that just shows where the mindset is and like where you come in and you're really trying to shift that. And I am so excited and so proud and I can't wait. <laughs> Thank you so much. This was so fun. It was so good to talk about this. And I feel like a big part of my mission, as I said before, is just like having these conversations and like learning and talking about it. Cause like some of these things I'm just learning myself and I like to share them and and all that stuff, because I feel like that's how we learn and that's how we normalize it. Um, so like, even though the product's not in the market for a few months, I feel like already, I feel so happy to be able to have these conversations um, with other people. So yeah, thank you guys for- when is, it, when is it launching? Fall? So it, yeah, it should be in the fall. I just, just placed my inventory order with my manufacturer. Yeah. So it's in the manufacturing stages. So yeah, obviously like, curveballs come and stuff but the goal is by the fall amazing yeah okay. can't wait okay wow what a great episode I'm honestly so happy that we got to sit down with Victoria from Slip Health and talk about these topics that are so relevant to I think all of our listeners lives and you know, like we grow up with hearing like blue balls for something but for me was something that I legit thought was real. And it, like actually understanding that other people have common experiences and starting discussions about these things, about orgasms, about sex, about condoms, about like all of this stuff that I think for some people may be taboo or um, 
are uncomfortable to talk about and it's all about becoming comfortable with these topics so that you feel comfortable enough to feel empowered in these situations, to do things that, you know, are healthy for your body, you're comfortable with. Um, So I think it was a great discussion and I hope that everyone listening really liked it too. And if you are interested in following Victoria's content and what Slip Health is all about, check out their Instagram, which is slip with two P's, so S-L-I-P-P, health. And she posts such cool content. Like, it's just information about reproductive health, things going on in the world in regards to reproductive health, um, breaking myths, stuff like that. So go check her out. And then from me, what I wanted to tell everyone listening is that I created a link in our bio that you can go click. So go to our Instagram. It's sassy underscore pod. Click the link in our bio and it says ask us questions. And in that area, it's just like a doodle poll from Google, but it's all anonymous. You don't have to write your name. If you don't want to, you don't have to write your email or anything. We won't know who's asking it. There's, you can ask us questions. You can suggest topics. You can literally anything if you want to tell stories if we talked about something in this episode and you're like I have a perfect story for that I want to contribute or if you even want to come on the podcast dm us but yeah that link and that question box is open for anyone listening for anything to make you feel comfortable asking us questions and so we can keep our content relatable for you and you are the reason why we do this obviously I like podcasting but it's to create discussions that are able to empower the women and men and everyone in our lives to feel empowered and confident in their most sassy, authentic selves. So hopefully this episode brought you a little laughter. Um, I know (laughs) it was pretty funny, but yeah, that's all for me. I'm also doing this by myself, this closing thing, because Viv is studying for your MCAT, if you're wondering. I haven't like silenced her or anything. She's just uh, busy. (laughs) So yeah, um, I'm currently sitting in my bikini. It's a beautiful day outside. Go get some fresh air. Go do something that makes you happy today. Do something just for you. And don't forget to stay sassy, classy. And this weekend and this week and the mantra for your month, I just want you to be real fucking badassy. Don't take no shit and do what you want. Okay, see you guys next Sassy Saturday.